I believe that each eye will be opened. I believe that every ear shall receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, literally. From the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29 and verse 11, from the New Living Translation. Notice with me. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, the father and his family. He is the father. We are part of his family. And our father has great plans for his family. He is, in fact, the greatest visionary of all time. He declares the end from the beginning. He sees us through eyes of faith. And he is absolutely committed that he that began a tremendous work in his masterpiece, he's going to perform it until he returns. Now, he has a perfect will for everybody in this auditorium today. The first thing, as we open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the Amplified, the first thing that he tells us in the context of the book of Romans is to dedicate our bodies as a living sacrifice. He says that it is our reasonable service. It is our spiritual worship. And then he goes on to say, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind and its new attitude. And then he goes on to say, When you do this, you will prove what is the good the permissive and the perfect will of the Father. He has a perfect will for our lives. So the question very often times is ask ministers and ask one another, how then do we discern the perfect will of God? Well, it doesn't begin by wondering. It begins by renewing. So as we renew our minds to the Word of God, and as we are not conformed to this world, we'll begin to take on new ideas. We'll get a new attitude. You know, they sing a song about, I got a new attitude. Well, when you come into the kingdom of God and into the family of God, and you renew your mind with the Word, you'll get a new attitude. New way of talking. Hey, a new way of walking. A new way of thinking. But to be honest with you, we must not be conformed to this world. Because confirmation to the world will darken our understanding. It will hinder our hearing. Worldliness and fleshiness will dull your spiritual senses. It will become a distraction to hearing from heaven. Now let's look at Proverbs 29:18 in the message version. Of course, Proverbs 29:18 says where there is no what? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, Vision has to do with sight. God is, in fact, 
the greatest visionary of all time. Now, I like what the message version says. Look at this with me. If people cannot see what God is doing, stop right there. If people can't see what God is up to, did you know that God's up to something? God is high on you. He loves you. His plan for you is G-O-O-D. Double D. Good. But you see, if people can't see what God is doing or what he's up to, here's what happens. They stumble all over themselves. Now, many people cannot see what God is up to because they're stumbling. Vision has got to do with sight. There are things that can hinder our sight in the natural realm. How many have ever been to an ophthalmologist? Ophthe who? Eye doctor. Ophthalmologist. And you go in to have your eyes tested and they put a little solution in your eyes, right? And if you left the office at that time, you would, your vision would be so blurred, you couldn't see where you're going. Just blurry vision, just, you know, confusion abounds. You just can't see. There's many Christians that have blurry vision. They're confused. And it has not been a solution that the ophthalmologist put in their eyes, but it is a solution from the spirit of this age. And so then, there's blurriness and there is confusion. Listen, friends, God's not the author of confusion. If you are confused, it's not God. And then, how many of you know what twilight is? Being in the twilight will hinder your vision in the natural realm, will it not? For being in the twilight is not all light and it's not all darkness, is it? But it's semi-darkness. Semi-darkness. And that describes a lot of Christians. They are in the twilight zone. You've just now entered the twilight zone. But seriously, one day in the light, one day in the world, semi-dark Christians. You know, it's hard to walk like that. Sooner or later, you're going to stumble. Stumble and fumble and drop the very things that God is up to in your life. Now, here's what happens. I'm just going to read scriptures to you for a moment. Here's what happens. When you or I leave the paths of uprightness, when we leave the right paths that God has for us, we begin to walk in the ways of darkness. Now, as a Christian, we would never call ourselves wicked, would we? But as a Christian, we can yield 
to a wicked thing in our lives. See, when you talk about something that is wicked, it's twisted. A wicked chair, right? Is something that is twisted. If we feed on the spirit of this age long enough, we will become twisted. And instead of yielding to righteousness, we yield to darkness. And Paul said, what communion has light with darkness? And the answer is nada. Look with me at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 1, excuse me, verses 5 through 7. The devil is the author of darkness. He wants to lead down people down a path of darkness where they can't see where they're going. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you. Say it with me. God is light. Now, how much darkness is in God? All right. Now, if we say that we have rich fellowship with Him, but we walk in darkness, we're lying about it. Is that plain enough? But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, if we walk in the light of His grace, walk in the light of His purpose, walk in the light of God's ordained place for us, here's what happens. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The plan of God for me, the plan of God for you, is for us to have full, unhindered fellowship with the Father. But there's too much, too much blurriness. There's too much twilight zone. And then there are those that just, quite frankly... They've heard the truth. They know the truth. But they don't want the truth. See, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We could say for a lack of light, right? Because the entrance of His Word gives light. So we know that some people are walking in darkness because they haven't been enlightened. But for 29 years, you've been enlightened in this place. Unless you're a new Christian, you have no excuse. The light has gone forth. And Jesus describes those who reject knowledge. In Hosea 4, 6, he said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He says, Because you have rejected me, I will reject you. We don't want that in our lives. Look quickly over to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll look at verses 12 through 16. Are you tracking with me today? Are you tracking with this Holy Ghost preacher? This will help you this morning. The Bible says, for whoever has spiritual knowledge to him will be more given. And he will be furnished richly so that he will have abundance. Everyone say abundance. Abundance. From him who has not, even that which he has will be taken away. In other words, Jesus is saying we must esteem, we must value what we've been given. Amen. Amen? In other words, steward very carefully and cautiously that which he's placed on the inside of us. Verse 13. Ready, read. This is the reason that I speak to them in parables. Because having the power of seeing, they don't see. And having the power of hearing, they do not hear. Neither do they grasp or understand. Verse 14. 
In them indeed is the prophecy of fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You shall indeed hear and hear, but never grasp and understand. And you shall indeed look and look, but never see and perceive. In other words, what Jesus is saying is we have the power to see, but sometimes we don't see. The question I have is this, how can that be? How can that be? Well, verse 15 answers the question for us. Let's read. For this nation's heart has grown gross, fat and dull, and their ears heavy and difficult of hearing, and their eyes they have tightly closed. Who closed their eyes? Did the knowledge come to them? But what did they do? They closed their eyes and they rejected the light. Now, if I go to Mimi's Cafe after church today, and I don't want to talk about food because some of you got that hungry look in your face. But if I go to Mimi's Cafe today, and I say, Brenda, I'll meet you down there in about 15 minutes, I'm going to walk. Well, if I walk down there like this, Sooner or later, I'm going to run into something. And if we walk in our Christian life by willfully choosing to close our eyes to the truth of God's Word, sooner or later, we're going to bump into something that if we had our eyes open, we would not, come on, have bumped into. We may run into people, places, or things with our eyes closed. But if we'll live with our eyes wide open, we'll know what God's up to. We'll know where we're going. And we will avoid the pitfalls of the enemy. And living, and living with our eyes open is a choice. It really is a choice that we make every day. We can choose which way our day is going to go. We can declare every morning, you know what? I'm going to live my life for Him. I'm not going to allow myself to be entangled with the spirit of this age. I'm not going to live in the zone called twilight. I'm done with blurry vision. I'm not going to close my eyes. My eyes are wide open. My heart's wide open. Lord, your will be done. Come on, somebody. Your will be done. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And it is a light unto my path. And in the light of his word. And in the light of his spirit. You and I will begin to see more light. Because it is true. Let's turn to Proverbs 4.18. Oh, thank you, Lord. I got good news for Heart of the Bay today. Maybe once we lived in the dark, but now the Lord will fill us with light. Maybe at one time we walked around and dabbled in darkness, but the Lord is our light. And the good news, quite frankly, is this. In Proverbs 4.18, it says, But the path of the uncompromisingly righteous. You know what someone is when you say they're uncompromisingly? They're not fooling around with this. 
They're not living their lives to see how much sin they can get away with. They're not one day in, one day out. They're all in. 100%. And the uncompromisingly righteous, the Bible says, in the Amplified, is like the light of dawn. Notice with me, and it shines brighter and brighter, more and more until the perfect day. Listen, friends, your lives should not be getting darker. Our lives should be getting brighter. Things should not be getting worse. In our spirit, things should be getting better. I'm not talking about out here. The devil will see to it that it looks worse. But hey, if you've got the light of his word and the light of his glory and the light of his spirit on the inside, oh, it don't matter what's going on on the outside because you got the light on the inside and you can speak to the darkness on the outside and you can say, light be, and his enemies will be scattered. <laughs> Amen. Though the outward man's decaying, the inward man's getting renewed day by day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Brighter and brighter. Not more confused and more confused. No. Brighter and brighter. Unto the perfect day. And you and I can choose to walk in that light every day. It is a part of the Father and His family. He's got a plan for you. It is a part of His Father plan for His children, for all of them who have already been delivered from the power of darkness now to really live in the light. Saints, the things that you've tripped over and stumbled over and fallen over are things that the Lord is saying that you can have victory over today once and for all. And that I'll encourage you. You see, sometimes we blame God. Sometimes we blame our neighbor. Sometimes we blame our wives. Adam blamed Eve. And then he blamed God in one sentence. He said, it's the woman and you gave her to me. But if we really were to take inventory of our lives, we would really know and understand that the things that we have been through oftentimes are from us not walking in the light we've received. Now look with me quickly over to Romans chapter 13. It's a choice to walk in the light. And you and I have been authorized by the head of the church to take dominion over darkness. And I don't care what kind of darkness it is. It doesn't matter what kind of darkness it is. It's dark. It's wrong. It's not right and it's not in the light. And it doesn't belong in our lives. But you've been given authority. Romans 13, 11. Look at this with me. The night is far spent. I think we could all say amen to that. The day is at hand. Jesus is coming soon. Now, it wasn't wasn't May 21st, and it probably won't be October. But He's coming soon. 
you mark it down. He's a coming soon. And because of that, it says this, let us therefore, meaning our responsibility, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on what? Let us put on the armor of light. It is time for us as a church. It is time for each of us individually to stop being overcome by evil. Stop being overcome by darkness. But start now overcoming evil with good. Listen, I wasn't, I was born, but I wasn't born yesterday. And I know and I understand that it can be very difficult to walk this walk in the flesh. You can't do this outside of God's help. You cannot walk in the Spirit and fulfill the works and the fruit of the Spirit in your own strength. That's why he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. That's why he said this. He said, His inner strength will be ministered unto you and will give you an enablement to do all things in Him and through Him which strengthens you. Remember this. The life that God has given us is a light of life. It is a life free from darkness. It's a life free from confusion. Somebody help me. And He's given us the third person of the Godhead to help us walk in the Spirit. See, it would be wrong for Him to tell us to walk in the Spirit if He didn't furnish the Spirit to help us to walk in the Spirit. But He did give us the Spirit. And Paul said, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body or the deeds of darkness, you will surely live. So the truth of the matter is, is we are without excuse. Because we are not without help. The helper lives on the inside of us. And he will enable you and enable us to live a victorious life over all darkness. Let's not even define the sin part. You know. You know what's tripped you up in the past. And I'm going to tell you this. What has happened in your past is none, N-O-N-E, of the devil's business. But he will want to make it his business. And he will do his very best to remind you of your past. I like what Jerry Savelle says. When he reminds you of your past, remind him of his past. And then let him know that his future don't look so bright either. Oh, there was rejoicing in the pit of hell. When Jesus went into the lower parts of the earth. There was rejoicing down there. The enemy thought that he had Jesus down there forever. He was down all right for the one count. He was down all right for the two count. But on the three count, whoo, something happened. There was a stirring, hallelujah, in the region of the dam. And the quickening power of the Holy Spirit came in there and raised him from the dead. 
The scripture says, had they known it, that tells you he's not all knowing. Had they known it, they would never have bothered to crucify him. Satan spends his days trying to convince the people of God that they are losers. You're nothing but a loser. Just look what you said. Look what you did. You're a loser. You didn't pay your rent last month. Loser, 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 loser. When in fact, he is the ultimate loser. Come on, somebody. He is so lost, there's no hope for him. So all he can do is try to torment the winners and try to convince them that they're the losers. But we aren't the losers. We are the winners. He is the loser. He is the abuser, the accuser, and he is the all-time loser. He lost his place in heaven by trying to ascend to the throne by saying, I will be like the Most High, and the Most High put that boy down. Hey, glory to God. And there's coming a day where the bottomless pit is going to be opened up. And Jesus, our elder brother, going to shove him in there. Hallelujah. He's a loser. Let me say this nicely. Stop listening to him. He's a loser. And every time... He looks in the mirror. He sees a loser. And that's all he can see. That's all he can think about. That's what's on his mind. And he's trying to get it over on your mind. Because you see, quite frankly, Satan and his demonic forces see their life through the lens of their experience. And his experience was not good. So here it is, saints. The enemy wants to rejoice over you when you've stumbled. Come on, I, I, am I preaching all right today? I know I'm preaching good. I just, I just need a little... If I had a choir up here, I could get a little help from the choir. Amen. But it's true. He wants to rejoice over us when we've stumbled and when we have fallen. And this is what happens to a lot of Christians. Instead of arising in faith and repenting, they lay on the ground and they listen to that rat all day long. But not you. Not me. Why? Because we've got the armor of light on. And the armor of light is an armor of authority. Let me show you what I mean. Look at Micah chapter 7. Look at Micah chapter 7. Ooh, glory to God. Micah 7 verse 8. It says, don't you dare rejoice over me, Mr. Devil. But when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord is going to be a light unto me. So you just ride, get sassy with the devil. 
Say, Mr. Devil, you might have had me down for a moment, but don't you dare rejoice. Now you shut your big fat mouth right now. Because when I fall, my God will cause me to rise up. See, because I've been called out of darkness. You've been called out of darkness. Over into the marvelous light of the glory of God. And God is saying to you today, maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've failed. But there is reconciliation and there is restoration. And I like how the psalmist put it. He said, for you will light my candle. Maybe your candle's gone out, but God says, I'm going to light it up. God says, I will enlighten your darkness. Psalm 112 verse 4 says, Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Now listen very carefully to the crux of this message today. I believe with all of my heart that on this great, glorious, wonderful 29th anniversary, here at Heart of the Bay... I can sense the master calling. I can sense his calling. I can sense him calling me, calling you, and calling this church to a higher place. On an individual basis, I can sense the master calling us into a place, into a walk in the light. The light of his word. The light of his spirit. And to walk in the light of his grace And to get into our God-ordained place and begin to excel there. I believe with all my heart that God wants to take His body higher and higher to higher heights in Him. And the best way I know how to describe it is what the psalmist said. The psalmist would get quiet before the Lord and he would wait upon Him. And if you get quiet on the Lord and wait upon Him, you'll sense the Master calling. He'll sense you saying, he'll sense, you'll sense him saying, cast that off. i got a brighter future for you. And here's what's happening. I believe it. I believe that what the psalmist said is happening today. The deep calleth unto deep. That the depth of the heart of God is calling to the depth and the desire and the heart of his people. That's you and that's me. God has created you. And the fact that He created you and the fact that you exist means that there is a place of grace. There is a place of light for you to walk in and for where you fit. Say with me, God don't make mistakes. And this place is calling. How many of you ever seen sonar? It's like sonar. The callings of God are calling. It's kind of going boop, boop, boop. And it's ricocheting off your place. And it's in you. And the master's, are, the master's calling for us. And his callings are calling. The depth, the width, the length, and the breadth of what he's called us to is calling us today. And he's calling some of you To cast off those things that have hindered you. He's calling others of you to go up to a higher place in Him. He's calling several of you today to make a deeper commitment to Him. I'm not necessarily talking about the local church. But a deeper commitment to just open the Bible. A deeper commitment just to pray. He's calling others of you to go on a TV fast. 
That went over big. Where's the drums? Plum, plum. I believe the master's calling. Glory to God. And he is positioning his own in this day and this hour. Deep is calling unto deep. And you don't have to look very far to see this. How do the fish know where to swim? How do geese know where to fly in the winter? How does a salmon know to get back to where it's been called? Friends, there's migration routes and there's things that are out there that are just absolutely astounding. And a goose just knows where to go. And a salmon just knows where to flow. They got no walkie-talkies. They got no GPS. You won't see a salmon heading north with a walkie-talkie in its ear saying, Watch out, bear on the left, go right. Smokey on the right, go left, bear over here, boo-boo over there. Hey, 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 yogi. It'll never happen. They have the inclination to head south. They head south. The salmon swims upstream. He just overcomes. He's going upstream. He's got to overcome certain things. Listen, friends. Not conforming to this world is an upstream swim. Why? Because the whole world's going down this way. They're on the love boat just cruising. You know, and everything just smooth. But you start going the way of the Word, you start going the way of the Spirit, you got to swim. You got to discipline. You got to speak God's Word. You got to pray when you don't feel like praying. You got to praise when you don't feel like praising. You just start swimming and you start swimming, and then all of a sudden, a rushing mighty wind. Starts, <laughs> starts attending your way. Then you can, hallelujah, run through troops and leap over walls. And you'll get to your place of grace, your God-ordained place, because you're living in the light and you're walking in the light. Listen, if God can get a goose to go south, now I know some of you are loose as a goose, but I, I'm... I'm telling you, that won't cost you anything extra. Hallelujah. But if he can get a goose to go south and a salmon to swim to its place, he surely can get you where he wants you. Not only spiritually, but soulishly and physically. I am telling you, God is on the move. And he's dealing with his people. Has anybody ever experienced the dealings of God? All of us have. I want to close quickly, but I want, to, I want to make sure that we close this in the way that I believe the Lord wants us. So who will give me just a little more time? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. You see, you and I are to track through life on the course that He's laid out for us. And go exactly through the places 
and to the places that He's laid out for us. There is so much in this thought, the locations and the associations of our life. It's important where we go to church. It's important who we associate with. Because who we associate with will rub off on us. I like the company I keep. I like this bunch right here. I like this camp called Heart of the Bay. Amen. By God's grace, I plan in here staying here for another 25 years. By the grace of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace will sanctify you. And he said, I'm praying that when the Lord returns, there will be a preservation that will take place in your life. That spiritually, soullessly, and physically, you will be kept, you will be safe, and you will be in the place of grace and in walking in the light that He has ordained for you. That's our prayer. Now, how can this happen? Well, it can happen because of verse 24. Because God is faithful. Say that twice with me. God. One more time. God is faithful. There's no way that Brenda and I could have been in full-time ministry for these last 33 or 34 years if God wasn't faithful. I'll just be honest with you. It is because of the faithfulness of God that I stand before you today. It is because of the grace of God that you can do what He's called you to do. Listen, friend, faithful is He that called you. And listen, God has not changed His mind about you. Maybe you've dabbled in darkness. Maybe you're not in the light like you should be in the light. But today's a new day. And He is faithful to call you. And He will back His call up. And He will perform His call in your life. I'm talking to you today about preservation from the head of the church. He will help you and keep you from stumbling in the darkness. Now turn quickly to Hebrews 13. I can count on Him, can you? You can count on Him giving you light. You can count on Him when you take the wrong step to get you back on the right step. Anybody ever made a bad decision before? I'll raise both hands. Probably everyone in this auditorium today has made a bad decision. But you know what? A bad decision is not the end of the story. Unless you don't repent. And you keep on making bad decisions. Then it can cost you. But if you make a bad decision, you can depend on Him showing you. And He can show you how to make something wrong right. And He can put you again on the right path. Oh, friend. There's a path and it's wide today. And God is saying, come on, get on this path. And I'll take you by your hand and I will lead you into your wealthy place. Say with me again, he's faithful. In Hebrews 13 and verse 20, it says that the God of peace that brought again the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he will make you perfect. He will complete you, make you what you ought to be. Now listen to this. He will equip you with everything good that you may carry out His will or walk in the light while He Himself works in you and accomplishes that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Now here's what you need to see in that verse. He's working in you. You can't do this in your own strength. 
but your God's working in you. Now quickly over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Philippians 2, 13. And what God is looking for, I believe with all of my heart, there's just got to be a desire to do His will. A desire to fulfill His pleasure. It's like what Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. And I believe with all of my heart that there can be some adjustments made this morning. And these adjustments can be life-changing. And they can change the course of your life. I know that to be true. Because I've experienced this myself. I've experienced the goodness of God getting me off a course that I was on and putting me on the right course back in 1970, glory to God, five. I've experienced a road of darkness, a road that was leading to hell, a road that was leading to eternal damnation. But God sent a labor. God sent a labor. And perhaps you're already saved, but yet... You're walking according to the dictates of the flesh. And friend, it's going to eat your lunch. It's going to eat your lunch. But the Lord is saying, it's time to do an about face. And get back on course. Get back in the word. Get back in church. Get back in the light as he is in the light. And this blood of Jesus will continuously cleanse you from every sin. Listen. This life is going to be over with soon. It's going to be over with before we know it. And it isn't worth fulfilling every fleshly desire that we have. It isn't worth living according to the dictates of the flesh. Because the Bible says that when we do such things, and it lists the works of the flesh, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that we are not in position to receive the things that God's got for us. But the good news is this. God's working in you. He's energizing you. He is developing a hunger in the people of God today. And in Philippians 2.13, it says we don't have to do this in our own strength. Why? Because it's God who is faithful. It's God who is all the while, notice, effectually working in you. He's energizing and he's creating in you and I the power and desire to do his will for the glory of God. So on this anniversary morning, my prayer for you is that you would walk in the light. As he is in the light. And that you would fulfill everything God has got for you in your life. And so I rest my case. And I'm happy about the word today. Do you receive the word? Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Glory to God. Raise your hands up with me and say, Lord, I receive the light of the revelation that went forth today. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for areas of my life that I've walked in darkness in. 
I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for heading north when you said go south. But as an act of my will today, I make a divine choice. This day, this glorious day, I choose the light. I choose life. And I choose the love of God. I am trusting in you, Lord, that if I get off path, that you'll get me right back on. And as I walk in the light, my future will be ever so bright. The light of His Word, the light of His presence are attending my way. Put your hands over your heart and say, I commit to walk in the fullness of the Word of God. For it's the entrance of your Word that will give me light.